All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Above the Ice and Into the Numbers. It's your boys, Christian, David, Julian. I'm really excited to be back. I don't know about you guys. How are you guys feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm excited to be back after, what, like two, three months. I mean, at the beginning of the year, we were talking about during February, we were going to talk about the Olympics maybe because there's going to be nothing going on in the NHL. But now we have the Olympics and the NHL. So, yeah, I'm excited to be back. Yeah, uh, definitely excited to be. Yeah, good point, Chris. I, I thought for sure we would have been talking a little bit about the, the Olympics, but yeah, it's it's been busy time in the NHL. Um, couple shopping, th- a couple of shocking things that have happened, but um, I, I'm really excited to see what plays out the rest of the season. Yeah, I think we should probably just jump right into the latest piece of news. If we want to get into the Toffoli trade immediately, uh, the Calgary Flames acquired Tyler Toffoli from the Montreal Canadiens for a first round pick, fifth round pick Tyler Pitlick and Emil Heineman. Um, how do you guys feel about the trade? The pick is top 10 protected. Although, as Christian pointed out before recording, the Flames are probably going to end up making the playoffs. Uh, how do you guys feel about this deal? Um, yeah, you go ahead first, Chris. Okay, I'll go first. So we were talking a bit in the pre-show about Montreal. And it's kind of scary looking at it because if they play their cards right, they can maybe have like four first-round picks just draft. But I don't know. For I think it's a good trade for both teams. Maybe a bit better for Calgary because – kind of suits their needs more, especially when we played them, the Leafs played them last week, and they look pretty good. So if they add to Foley to that, uh, the team looking pretty scary. Yeah, uh, I've always thought that uh, Toffoli was always a really good player. Obviously, on the Montreal Canadiens, it's definitely hard to produce at the moment. But now you put a team around him, uh, you put him on a top six, uh, uh, top six line there. I don't really know exactly what's going to happen with Calgary. I really do think that they could uh, get that top spot in the division, but... Um, eight two and zero in their last ten six game winning streak at the moment. They're absolutely on fire. Yeah, I think this is really a, a great deal for the Flames. I mean, the Habs are you know I'm happy that they're trading assets and that they're actually taking this sort of tank approach seriously. But um, I mean, when we look at the Flames, they have a pretty underrated uh, point production from their blue line. Um, yeah, all three of Hannafin, Shillington, and Anderson have like at or above half a point a game. And when you add this on top of the fact that they have like a really good top four forwards and like Manjapane and Kachuk, Lindholm, Goudreau, there's just adding more depth. And I mean, Tofoli will probably end up playing second line wing, but I mean, this just adds more weapons to their team. And I mean, they, they kind of took the Leafs to town a little bit a couple nights ago. So like, this is just a really big addition for them, especially in the midst of a, a winning streak. Yeah. Yeah. We always talk about Calgary too, how they're one of those teams that they're kind of, built like the Islanders a bit, how they're like, they're good, or maybe like not the Islanders this year, but like the past Islanders teams where they're really like good for the playoffs. They're, they're like, they don't have a weakness. They're good with offense, defense, and goalie. They're not really great in any department, but they're not bad in any department either. And if this just helps their forward get even better, and like you said, with their defenseman, with Shillington especially, he was on waivers, I think, last year, and now he's over a half point a game. So I think Calgary can definitely make noise in the playoffs. Maybe not get by Vegas if they bring Eichel and Stone back. But yeah, Calgary looks dangerous. Yeah, I think, you know, the key point there too is uh, Markstrom's really found his stride again. And um, he's really proven to be such an important part of that team. I'm just really excited to see if he can really carry that through the rest of the season and into the playoffs as well. Um, I'm almost rooting for him in a sense. Uh, I really want to see him do well. Yeah, I mean just adding more threats because when you look at the flames like they've never really had good depth on the forward position especially when you look at their center 
uh, their centers, like Elias Lindholm, he's, he's a fantastic player. Don't get me wrong. But then when you look down the lineup, you see Mikhail Backlund and Sean Monaghan, like it's not exactly the strongest forward group. Um, so just adding more depth with Toffoli is only going to help them out. The thing is, it's just like, they, they've now traded their first round pick. I just don't think that if they're going for it this year, I don't think that this is going to be enough. Like Chris said, to take down a Vegas team that could have Eichel and stone by the time the playoffs come around. So yeah. I don't think the flames are done yet, but this is certainly a good move in the right direction for them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> um, what other, what other big things to talk about it before we get into Leafs talk or should we just jump right into that? Do you want to talk a bit more about Montreal and like, yeah, sure. We can talk about the implications for them. Once my, there we go. Sorry. My wifi went down for a little bit on the site. Yeah. The Habs, they suck. <laughs> yeah, put it nicely. I saw some people on Twitter. I mean, I guess they're happy they got a new coach and got that Caulfield scoring again. But it's like the big headline, Caulfield, two goals in two games, and then the sub-headline, as Montreal loses their 10th straight game. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit off that way. But I guess if they're going for the tank, then it's good. And it's, it's never a bad thing to get assets at the deadline. Uh, maybe they can turn this around in a couple of years. But right now, it's not looking good. Well, the thing that I'm very interested in now is is it very possible that the Montreal Canadiens will get Shane Wright? And as a Leafs fan, right, or as Leaf fans, we kind of look out to ourselves and go, I, part of me is like, you know, I want Shane Wright to play in like a big hockey market, but at the same time, does it have to be the Montreal Canadiens? Because I don't really want to see him go to like Arizona or something. But you know what? I say go for it. Go to Montreal. If he, if he ends up being as good as they hype him up to be, which – I don't know, lately with the first first overall picks, we haven't really seen a really good one maybe since Matthews. But if Wright can be like a franchise player for Montreal, that just heightens the rivalry. Every time you play Montreal, it'll be like Matthews versus Wright, like a great game. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't really hate that. I mean, I really don't yeah. think one player is enough to turn them around, so I'm not too worried. But it, it would be exciting. Yeah. It reminds me of a time when both the Leafs – like the Leafs were, were starting to get on the incline. This is when they had Matthews and – and Nylander and Marner, like very young in the lineup. And I remember Buffalo was also really bad, but they had just acquired, they just drafted Alex Nylander and Leafs and Sabres fans like, wow, this rivalry is going to be insane. You know, the Nylander brothers, Reinhardt matching up. They also have Eichel versus Matthews. going to be crazy. And then like nothing panned out for the Sabres. And they're still an awful, awful team because they cannot develop players. And while Shane Wright can totally be, a generational player. Like Chris said, we haven't seen one of those from a first overall pick in a couple of years. And the Habs just do not develop players properly. I mean, I think the only reason Nick Suzuki is having so much success in the NHL he is right now is because he started his career in the Vegas system. Like, I do Mm. not have a lot of faith in the development of the Habs organization. And while Shane Wright may be able to supersede that with his natural talent, I'm just not very convinced that this team is going to go anywhere until they actually start you know, making full full use of their young prospects. Because there's yeah. been too many that, that have just flopped for me to be like, oh, wow, the, there's one player is going to change everything for them. Yeah, yeah, I fully understand that as well. And speaking of Montreal, do we want to talk about the hires that they made this last week with the head coach and Le Cavalier as the assistant GM? I don't know. What do you guys think about that, those moves? Um, I think I think it is a step in the right direction. Um, I, I do – it kind of feels like Montreal is almost trying to obviously acquire as much as they can going into the off season, but also to start the 
road to success for next season. I'm not saying immediate success, but it looks like they want to try to make a quick 360 as fast as possible. So um, I think it is good for right now, but I also do think that kind of like what David was actually just saying, like you have to be able to develop players in the right manner. And if you can't do that, then you're just not going to find that success that you're looking for. I also want to point out that Jeff Skinner scored four goals against them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not the best start to tenures, but I, I, um, I didn't realize how good of a season Skinner's having 34 points in 45 games. Granted a four goal night. Someone has to score on Buffalo. Someone has to do it. It was Paige Thompson for a while. Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, That team we can, I, I, I can talk about them with the same amount of passion every single podcast, just with how much <laughs> failure of a franchise they are. It's sad too, because there's really like no hope in sight for them. I mean, no, there really isn't. Especially with like, I know like the fans really hate the owners. They think that like they put like 99% of the effort into the Bills and like 1% into the Sabres, which I mean, looking at well, it. The cool is they aren't even a hockey family, they're a football family. Yeah. And yeah. They bought the Sabres and like, we don't know what to do with this team. They're like, like, yeah, we know. We, we said that when you bought the team. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, Buffalo is a, is a hockey team too? Okay, might as well grab them. We'll, we'll, we'll buy these guys. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's get into some Leaf talk, gentlemen. Yes. Yep. Toronto Maple Leafs. Statistically, best team for the Maple Leafs we've seen um, ever. It doesn't feel like that. Does no. it? No. Definitely it does did not. for a while in when Jack Campbell was like Vesna. Um, but lately, he has not been great. Uh, it's been about once like a 13, 14 game stretch now where he's been pretty inconsistent. And Peter Mrazek really hasn't taken up that 1B role that we signed him to be. But despite that, the Leafs are still putting together promising performances. I mean, we did completely shell the Canucks despite losing. How do you guys feel yeah. about this team moving forward with the kind of goaltending they're getting? Well, I mean, Chris, if you want to take it first, uh, by all means. Um, no, yeah, I, I guess I'll go first. I mean, I'm not too worried about the team play in general. I mean, I think they've been pretty good. They were a little bit off against Calgary, but one off game, not too worried about that. But yeah, the goaltending has been really concerning about me for a while now, especially with Campbell. I mean, Mrazic, I don't really have the highest of hopes for him anyways. But Campbell, especially with the contract coming up, I mean, he's really... I don't know, he's lost himself a lot of money in the last couple of months because I feel like a couple of months ago, if he would have signed an extension, he could have got maybe what, maybe five, maybe even six mil. Seriously. And, and now it's yeah. looking like, what do we even do next year? Like, do we go again with Campbell if we if he fails to perform this year? I think you don't you don't touch that contract for the off season. So, even speaking aside for this season, I mean, I think their hopes really ride on Campbell. Like, if they're going to succeed, it's going to be because Campbell at least. He has to be putting up at least like 915, not even anything spectacular, but 800 is going to do. No. Yeah. His last five starts going back to um, January 19th against the Rangers, 808 safe percentage, 850 safe percentage, 667. That's when he got pulled against the Devils early. Jesus. Uh, 969. That was when he had that bounce back game, back to back against the Devils, and then 808. Yeah. I, not I just good at all. Not good at all. And the thing is, he won three of those five games. Yeah, and that's that's what's ridiculous to me. It's like it ever. Uh, Actually, ever I do the, want to clarify. Sorry, the, that was my mistake. The Leafs won the New Jersey game, but he he was losing when he got pulled. Right. Okay. So yeah. he won two of the five. It, it just seems like 
now ever since the new year right like jack's been struggling and i really do think we were talking about this just right before the show about um i do think yes like the goaltending needs to improve but um how much of it as well is it not just like the leafs defensive core but just their defensive play i mean i don't know if it's something where because we're out you know we're out shooting teams by like 20 25 shots uh sometimes per game yet the other team is all yeah they're only putting up like 20 shots but they're still beating us and is that because of our own defensive play in our zone is that the defense itself like i for one really do think that at this point justin hall or even someone like jake muzzin could be moved um and they're going to try to build around morgan riley sandine brody and lilligren in my opinion I, but um, i gotta disagree i don't think the Leafs are moving muzzin anytime soon now this contract and especially not like just returning from injury but I do agree, Just uh, Jesus, talking about Justin Hall. I do agree, Julian. Justin Hall at this point is a non-option. Yeah, they play this season. It's, I, I, you can't justify putting him in the lineup. And if you do, I don't like seeing him play more than twelve minutes a night. It's terrifying. Um, and this isn't the player we know he can be, but it's also we do know Justin Hall can have a great start to a season and then be terrible for the second half of the season. He's done that past two seasons so it's like we've seen this player be competent but for half that time he also was the player we're seeing now so do you think that this is the real Justin Hole we're seeing or do you think that there's any help of him turning this around I I, I don't like I really I, I I like to to have promise in someone like him especially because we know of how of how good he is with the guys in the locker room like that's I think what a lot of people forget is that sometimes guys like Justin Hall are a big piece off the ice um but at the same time if you're not replicating that on the ice then that really doesn't matter sometimes so i do think that the leafs are looking for another type of defensive defenseman and i don't think justin hall can really provide that um and especially going into the playoffs we usually do have a lot of defensive injuries on the horizon so i just don't know who you'd move i mean i guess you uh, yes you do move justin hall but what else do you have to attach in order to acquire uh, a better piece uh, yeah, on the whole subject as a whole, I mean, I guess that part of the season where we're analyzing Instagram posts, but Mitch Marner had a post recently where like four, four of the five pictures had Paul, uh, Justin Hall in it. So they're yeah. really, really good friends. I mean, I don't know how much of a factor you play in that, but it is a factor because we traded Anderson. We got rid of Kadri. We got rid of two players that were loved in the locker room, even Marlowe, Thornton to an extent. Eventually, when you keep shuffling these guys in and out, that couldn't have an effect on the team. But I agree. He can't be playing top four minutes. I mean, I like him personally. Like, I like his story from the AHL, the whole Babcock situation where he sat him for, like, 72 games. Yeah. So I, I like him, like, as a person and, like, as a player. But, I don't know, lately he has not been good enough. And with the defense as a whole, yeah, it's on the defense, but it's also on the forwards who, frankly, they've been lazy. I mean, I know it's mid-February and you kind of expect that now, but – as it gets closer to the end of the season, the playoffs, you're going to need the forwards to chip in more to help out the defense and the goalie. Yeah. Yep. Fully agree on that. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, anybody who watched the all or nothing series on Amazon prime as well can tell Justin hole is a very key component of that lineup. Yeah. But it does get to a certain point where like, you can't just keep making these moves to, to appease the people in the locker room. You have to have on ice success as well. That's what's the most important thing here. So, I understand that it's frustrating to have people like Patrick Marlowe and Frederick Anderson and Joe Thornton be so loved in the locker room for them to be moved. But until you win a round, I could like, I don't really care how happy you are in the locker room until you win a round. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. 
And the thing is, like, yeah, it can be really frustrating <laughs> for the players. That, that's what we hear about Vegas all the time is, is Vegas. These players are very frustrated because there's been so much overturn in that organization. However, comma, they've had a lot of success as an organization. They've made Stanley Cup finals, conference finals. They've been much more successful in the playoffs. Um, and that's not only – I'm not saying that this is because they're always going all in every year, but it, it's the style of hockey they play as well. And, Chris, you said it's – it's this point in the season where the Leafs forwards get lazy. It's January, February, where we start to tail off a little bit. Yeah. But, like, I don't remember ever seeing Tampa just be like, oh, yeah, no, we just have a lazy month this year. Everyone yeah. has a, we're allowed one lazy – when? When are you allowed a lazy month at all? Especially in the Atlantic division. You can't let your foot off the gas at all. And I understand players are going to get tired. Players are going to get exhausted. But that's, that's what you signed up for. That's the sport. That's the nature of it. And you have to be playing your best hockey going into the playoffs. And the thing that's consistent with the Leafs is when they fall off in January and February, they're still picking up the pieces in March and they're still finding their way. Like they're still stumbling into the playoffs. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to see these mistakes at all is my point. Yeah. It's Not definitely like Stanley Cup contending team or what yeah. it's supposed to be. I fully agree because it's like, how do you have, it, it always feels like the Leafs have that month where it's like, yeah, we're just not going to try. Or like, we're just going to like take it easy. And I don't, I do not know why it's always us that needs to take that little, Oh, let's just, let's just ease off here. Um, but I, I really every, hope every team's tired in February yet the flames on the second night of a back-to-back after stomping Vegas, six, nothing flattened us. Yeah. They were crushing us into the boards. Like they played with so much more heart and energy than we did on the second night of a back-to-back. It's unacceptable. I and I, it's 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 one loss, and it's it seems like the fan base has really been has really been fragmented lately. And, and there's a lot of people who are like, "Well, this team is a product of five years," and then there are other people who just want to focus on this season. Um, and I get focusing on this season. But there are a lot of components, key components of this team that have been around for five years. So it's, you know, well, what what is this team? What real improvements have there been? And and I think that's a very good point because the one thing that I've kind of noticed about uh, the Leafs fan base this year specifically is it's almost hard to get excited just because of the our past success in the playoffs. It's like, okay, you know, we're going on an eight-game win streak. That's great, but... What, what does that matter if we if we still can't get by the first round? And it almost feels like it is sometimes hard to get excited when the Leafs are doing really well. Um, but there are some fans that I think have just completely just like I'm I'm done with the Leafs. Like I, I don't know if I don't know if you could ever say you're done with the Leafs for, for a while. I mean I know I can't, but um it's it's definitely like that a weird feeling sometimes. It's like I I love to see them succeed, but at the same time, there's always that reminder of you know how much does it matter unless we can really improve. The real question is like, is this a different team or is just, or is this just like the best version of the same team that we've seen the last four or five years? Cause I just feel like this is like the peak of this Leafs team, like playing the way we're playing with these type of players, this is the best it's going to get. We're never going to get to that next level unless we change the way we play fundamentally. So playing like this is fine. If you want to just be a great regular season team, I kind of feel like this with the Colorado Avalanche too. I mean, like, like in some ways, because the way they play, it's perfect for regular season. It's perfect for the way they play. It's exciting. It's fun. It's whatever. But then 
in the playoffs when they need to change the way they play, they can't do that and they end up losing. And that's the same with the Leafs. Yeah. Yeah. And because we all know this in the playoffs, things tighten up and teams that use their speed and skill to wear teams down don't have the space anymore and they can't play their style of game. And that's what the Leafs do. And Chris, you make a fantastic point saying, is this a different team or is it the best version of the same team? And I think that you, you hit it right on the head there. Like, yeah, I think the only thing that's different about this team, but this could just be a sign of the improvement of, of the same team. is just that the fact that they have a, now have a secondary scoring unit. It used to just be the top guys. And granted that was when this team was at its worst, maybe the beginning of the pandemic season, but this team finally is a secondary scoring unit. But if they could, if, if they could find a second pair right D and maybe somebody who can like a Blake Coleman type player for the playoffs, then I'd have a lot more confidence going yes. in. Yeah. So we still need more of that, more of that type of pieces. Sorry. We'll, we'll probably do like a dedicated trade deadline show closest to the actual deadline. But since mm-hmm. we're talking about this now, do you guys want to like talk about which players you think the Leafs could acquire to maybe change from the best version of this team to the team that we want them to be? Like what players do you think can do yeah. that are affordable? Um, Jamie Alexiak. Hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, if if he's still on Seattle. <laughs> Believe it or not, I've heard Luke Shen actually rumored a few times now. Um, basically because his contract's going to be up, um, and as kind of like a piece just in case they run into defensive injury problems. But I don't know if that's actually going to come to fruition. I mean, that would be funny. Like, I'd go for that. Like, I don't know. It would be kind of funny just to see. <laughs> yeah. It would be to go full circle. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at this now. Jamie Alexiak plays 1920 a night. We all know six foot seven right shot D from Toronto. It seems a little bit too perfect. Yeah. For it to work. Um, let me check out his contract. But I've also saw rumors of Chickering, but I, I don't see how we can make that work financially. Yeah, I've heard that name come up uh, a few times, but I, I really don't think that could happen at all. Alexiak is signed for $4.6 million for four more seasons after this one at the age mm-hmm. of 29. I mean, we definitely have money to move if we can get rid of Morassic somehow or even Richie, like get rid of those contracts. We have a little bit more play- playing room than we usually do at this time. But I don't know if you really want to take on someone with term or you want to grab someone. I know Dubas has said, I think – this year specifically that he would kind of prefer to get someone with a bit of term because the last, t- last couple of times Felino that we got players with expiring contracts, they haven't really worked out that well. Yeah. So if we're going with someone with term, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. I wouldn't mind someone like Alexiak. Yeah. No, neither would I, neither would I. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it'd be a really good fit. I certainly wouldn't mind Jacob Chikrin, but just, yeah. how does that work? Yeah. I, it's just, yeah. Oh, wait. That's how it works. 4.6 mil for three years after this. <laughs> I didn't realize that his deal was one of the greatest in the league. What's yeah. up? All right. Well, <laughs> you'd have to give up a lot more for him. That's for certain. He's six years younger. Yeah. What do you um, even, what do you even swing for that kind of deal? Huh? I don't know. Yeah, I already know what we can get rid of. Nick Robertson. Oh my God. Does he even exist at this point? Seriously. No, I, I, I don't know. I feel terrible for him. Genuinely, genuinely what, though. What What about forwards? Anyone in particular that would be on the market that you'd be interested in? Um, I mean, when you mentioned Blake Coleman, I, I I love Blake Coleman. I really do think on any team, you know, he's a privilege to have. But um, I want 
fifty percent salary retained. Phil Kessel. I was I was literally <laughs> just thinking he's gonna say Phil Kessel. I was reading his name under the Arizona Coyotes. I'm like, I know this guy's about to say Phil Kessel. Okay, but what Phil if Kessel. We- in the last year that we have that we're paying him as well, we're also paying him one point two. In the last year of his contract, bring him back to Toronto. It wouldn't. Even, I don't even think it fixes any of our problems. If anything, it just adds to him. But I would love to see it. I actually would love to see that. Has, has that ever even happened before, where you acquired a player that you're already paying retained salary from? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, like yes, we did that. David Clarkson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we did that. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it yeah. again you know i kind of like this idea so we, we get kessel shen and we get reimer too we just, yeah we just everybody back. back perfect that oh, fix all of our Man. problems kessel with like matthews and like marner i mean well, while we're at it he's overseas and i'm pretty sure he's playing with Datsuk. get peter holland Pete, dude i cannot believe you just said peter holland he just hit 30 <laughs> better in presence now oh my lord i want it I was watching uh, Daniel Winnick on Team Canada, and it was just reminding me of when we had him for like two seconds. <laughs> Daniel. My my dad adored Daniel Winnick. Yeah. Loved Daniel Winnick. It's like, he's a good, honest player. Like, good, honest player. <sighs> I only have like one vague memory of Daniel Winnick. I, remember he, I think he had like a good game against Washington. Yep. No, yeah. And it was maybe after we – or right before we traded him to Washington. <laughs> Um, uh, but to Chris, what you were asking about forwards, um, not that I think that the Leafs are going to try to get anybody from this team, but I do think that the Philadelphia Flyers will be dealing a lot of their forwards come the trade deadline, obviously Giroux, but even guys like <laughs> speaking about former Leafs, James Van Reems, like, um, I, 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 maybe, I don't know about Cam Atkinson, but just because he's playing well, you might be able to get a good return for him as well. A couple of my friends have been kind of hyping up Drew and like talking about like us grabbing him. And I wouldn't be too opposed to that. I mean, it would really fill up the top six and it would just be a fun move. I feel like at this point in my Leaf fandom, I just want what's fun. Like I would rather yeah. acquire like a fun player just to watch in the playoffs and watch an end yeah. of the season than acquire like Ben Sherratt to just like yeah. play like 20 minutes a game and like I don't even see him on the ice. Yeah, so, instead of trading for like what we need. Yeah, just yeah. grab players fun, fun to watch and just fun exactly. to play. Yeah, and I if, don't want I don't want to spend our assets on a Felino again. Yeah, get like exactly. a, a Riddick. Like, oh, how exciting! No, get Phil Kessel. <laughs> get Claude Giroux. Yeah, I, I feel that. What's the thing for yeah, me? Like, like yeah, because I mean, until I see it make it to the second round, I could really care less. Yeah, <laughs> you know, none of this means anything if you can't win a round. So at least make it entertaining. At least yeah, make yeah. it fun that we traded a first round pick for Claude Giroux while getting booted out in seven games by the, I don't know, by the Boston Bruins again. Tampa. Well, that's or, the thing I was thinking of. It's like if the Leafs had to trade a first round pick for Nick Felino, like, I mean, look at the statement Claude Giroux can make. It was like, listen, like, I, sh- I should deserve, like, the team is going to, Philly's going to ask for a first round pick, maybe even more. And you have to uh, retain like 50% of that salary. See, see but like that, that logic doesn't really make sense when you realize that the same year that we paid a first for Nick Felino, Taylor Hall went for a Taylor second. Hall. Yeah. So, yeah. Like what? Like yeah. you, you cannot, it's basically just like whatever the market says a player's worth. And you just got to go with that. Even if like, you Granted, know, that was, it's a bit of a, bit of a different situation. Cause didn't Taylor Hall say he would only play for the Boston Bruins. 
I, I guess, but something still. like that. Yeah. Like, we yeah, we weren't the only team that offered a first for Felino. There was other teams, and there's plenty of teams lining up to give a first to Montreal for Ben Chirot. So, yeah. Why are Why are we getting in these bidding wars for these types of players? Yeah. Why Why are Why is it that we're going all in for Yeah for Ben Chirot and Nick Felino? Chirot. <laughs> the, the, the argument I see is like, oh, but that's the price you got to pay a first. You can just not get him. Like, yeah. Why do we I, need him? It literally would not have made a difference if we had or didn't have Nick Felina last year. Uh, we just wouldn't have had to trade um, for for another first round pick. Like, <laughs> you never, could, and the thing is, it's like you offer the first to Columbus. Did you not offer it to to Boston for Taylor All? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> at least see what the price is. It's like, ah, oh, we're going to trade him to Boston for a second round pick. Be like, oh, how about a first? Yeah. We're going to give it for Nick Foligno. I, I just think that was another example of being so, like, steadfast on this. We got to go for this specific type of player. We got to do this. Because, you know, if we got Taylor Hall, all the articles would have said, oh, Leafs getting another skilled forward. They're not addressing their needs. Whatever, whatever, whatever. But then when you get Foligno – then the same people are saying, oh, why'd you get Felino? You should got so you really can't appease anyone. So you just gotta go with what you think is the best move. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I really do think this year, if like, listen, I love David Camp. I think he's I think he's freaking great. But I really do think that we need um maybe just a little like if we do acquire a center, I think that's okay. Just because I don't like I don't want to say he's not doing a good job. He is. It's just maybe just a little bit more skill from a third line center. And the thing is, I don't think we, I don't think you really need to acquire the type of player that Nick Felino is in that you acquire him for his physicality and his grip, but he's also a, like a good veteran, good locker room presence. I don't think we have to trade for that. And I don't even think we need to make improvements for the forward group in terms of helping out the defensive side of things. I think, I think our penalty, penalty kill is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, they're just lazy right now in February. They'll pick it up again in March. So let's trade for Phil Kessel. And Jamie Alexiak. Now we're good. That's all I need. <laughs> and James you No, know, <laughs> in, in all seriousness, if, if we're going for improvements, I, I hope we can get somebody like Alexiak. Um, yes. To show up that blue line. But it would be so much fun to see Claude Giroux on this team. Yeah. Because cool. that's the thing, though. What would they need to retain? Like, Let's just say that hypothetically, what would they need to retain in order for us to afford that? The way like the... 50% salary. But yeah. But also... with the way around it. With like, I don't know how the rules work. With like, the, if you acquire a contract like later into the season, it's not worth as much or whatever. So I don't think it'd be too bad, especially if we can get it to Mrazek or Richie. I think what you're thinking of is the the cap hit doesn't change at all, but the salary is is less. Um, we we'll have yeah. to pay them less. Maybe, maybe you're right, but either way, I think if we get, we can make it work if we dump a couple of players. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely like. See, even a guy I was thinking about. I was going to mention earlier is Travis Dermott because they're not really using him as much as they were earlier in the season. Uh, and I think for an obvious reason, he just really was not playing up to the standard that we think he should be playing to. He's another one where I could, I don't know if they're going to move him ne- necessarily, but at least not be using him. I think if you move Justin Hole, they won't move Travis Dermott because they want to keep a guy like a seventh man. Yes. Just for health reasons and somebody that they, they know what they're getting with Travis Dermott. Exactly. Yeah. So what what are we getting? Spinorama passes and in, in overtime of playoff games. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. Just okay. 
Just, just being sure that's what we're getting. No, believe me, I know what we're getting when we're transferring it, but uh, if, we're, if we're spending all our assets on that, we're not going to be able to spend another first for Ben Sherratt for that seventh oh. game, right? Because <laughs> we have no third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. Yeah. Yeah, jeez. You know, um, it, it, it's funny yeah. that you said Reimer, Luke Shen, and Phil Kessel. Because genuinely, if they really, really wanted to, they actually could try to do something yeah, like that. They really could. Oh my god! Is Reimer back on the Sharks? I believe so. Yeah, two point two five for two years, man. That is so gettable. Yeah, he's uh, having a good year too. At two point eight one, I mean, nine on the one Sharks. Yeah, two one five. Sorry, nine one five. Nine one five. That's pretty good. This terrible, terrible Sharks team. Yeah, no, bring back bring back the 20, 2014 Leafs. <laughs> Prime. Prime time. Might, might yeah. as well. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I think we're running out of time here. Yeah, so yeah we definitely are. I'm, I'm going to start a new segment for every episode. It's going to be the Leafs scary stat of the week. And okay. it's going to be a stat that has to do with Leafs in some capacity. And it's going to be something that scares you. So this, this stat I got here is you guys are gonna guess who this is. So who do you think leads the league in points per sixty? Oh, um, jeez, um, on the Leafs? No, in the league. Who leads oh, the, the, league. The, the whole league? But oh. obviously, that it's it's Leaf related, so you can just. It's that's leaf a related. Hint. Yeah, that's a hint. That's a hint. That's why it's a leaf. It's a leaf scary stat. Yeah, so it's something that probably bur- Oh, oh, Mason Marchman. You got it. Of course. Oh my God. Of course. Because <laughs> I was saying that six point game. And, and, Dude. And <laughs> as a bonus, guess who's second? Um. Oh. Uh. Oh, geez. No, no, I don't have it. I, I thought I had it, but I don't. Greg McKegg? No, no. This one's actually like a good player. Oh, okay. Who? Kadri. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah that, that makes sense. Oh, oh, I, saw, I saw that. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. God, dude, when he put up six points. Seriously. Six points. No, and that was literally happening, like, as the Leafs were down, like, 4-1 to New Jersey. And I just put in the group chat, I'm like, Mason Marchman has six points. Yeah, yeah. Part of me was like, I can't believe this is happening, but uh, I also had – I actually I picked up Marchment that day just because I was like, oh, let's, let's see what happens. He's 23 oh, points in 22 games with 13 minutes a game. Yeah. I mean, I, Thank I you have for more, that scary stuff. I have more, but I'll save them for other weeks because yeah, we're perfect. never going to run out of these. Don't worry. But yeah, <laughs> well, we are running out of time. We, we are, are running out of time. time. So we yeah. should say goodbye. But boys, glad to be back. Hopefully, we can be in the Allen Slate Radio Institute soon. That'll be fun. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Please, please, please. Let's do it. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Above the Ice and Into the Numbers. Take care and have a good day. See ya. See ya.